You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. Hello, everyone out there. We want to welcome you to the latest and greatest edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. We got a special guest that we're going to introduce in a few seconds, but we're we're happy to be here. Happy to give you another another look inside our educational worlds and our philosophies. And Steve, how are you uh, transitioning in your position? It's going well. Transition's going well. It's like another transition in life. I, I keep saying that uh, it, it's a big transition, but one that I needed and it feels good. Feels I know good. three I know three people who um, have moved on around the same time you have moved on, like not moved on in a bad way, but just, you know, whether it was a promotion or chasing the dream in the field of education. And uh, like, I, I'll tell you this, like, I really applaud you all for going after it because um, there's a lot of educators who just stay stuck in their space. And I'm not saying their their space is bad, but like when I grew up, like when I grew up, our parents told me, my parents told me, you go to this place, you work there forever and you retire. But what they didn't mention was there may be some opportunities along that way that you may have to either step out on faith or prepare yourself for. And like, I know we've all probably missed many opportunities and blessings by not going for it at different points of times in our career. So, you know, I salute you and a couple of others that um, have made some transitions in the education field um, over the holidays and right after the holidays and, you know, salute to you. But hey, enough about that, Steve. We have a very important person on, 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 I don't want to say on the line, but on on the podcast show, show. Steve. And I'm going to give you the hand over the duties to you. Yes, thank you. It resonated with me because my dad was a factory worker and he did the same thing. He took me to a, to a factory and he'd take me to these other factories around when I was a teenager and he'd say, well, someday we're going to set you up at a good factory and, and that's where you'll be. <laughs> and, uh, and it worked for him and, and, uh, and that's what I thought I'd do, but I, I do feel that you can get complacent and you have to be careful about that. So very excited. We have Dr. Julianne Cook with us. She is, I've got to know Julianne uh, when she was a school principal leader in South Milwaukee. And I would love going there because I'd love seeing the, when you have a good principal, you see it, right? When you walk in, you can see it in schools. You can see it in the, in the way the students react, uh, the community involvement, the parents and that's what um, I could tell instantly at the school she was at and her leadership skills. So it's been fun to watch, fun to interact and engage with her and continue on the journey with her. And we're going to talk about, she just uh, finished her dissertation, very exciting news, congratulations. And we're going to talk about the leadership feedback system that she researched. We're going to talk about assessments, feedback, and the coaching process, all that. Very, very relevant information for for schools and school leaders so let's uh welcome dr julianne cook 
Thank you so much. I am so thankful to be here, humbled to be here. Um, And I just, I'm excited to talk about these things. I think when you get into school leadership and even your dissertation and research work, once you find something you're really passionate about, you just like want to talk about it all the time. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much. Let's start off. Tell tell us about your journey, your educational journey. What got you to where you are now? Yes, I mean, definitely God. I it's been such a journey for me. Um, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I still see myself as a teacher, and that's ultimately the dream goal is to get back to being a teacher, making a difference in the classroom. Um, but started out my education career teaching in Illinois for a couple of years, elementary school, and then moved back to Milwaukee. I'm from Milwaukee um, and taught a year in the Milwaukee area and then became a principal um, of a K-8 school on the south side of Milwaukee in an area that was, it was a school that had a really tough neighborhood, low-income students, was a school that was really on the brink of closure. Um, and we hopefully made it into a place and keep, we're, we're working on it every day, uh, making it a place where kids and families and the community just really um, see see the light and see opportunity and see potential in themselves and each other. Um, so I worked at that school as a principal and then I continued on with my group of schools. They're called the Lumen Schools. Um, in a role overseeing teacher development, um, our coaching model, professional development. Um, and then it started to morph into more with teacher hiring, recruitment. That's what I'm currently doing um, as the chief talent officer, just helping with new teachers, um, really rock star teachers also, and thinking of their next career move with coaching and feedback. And so those are a lot of the things I'm super, super passionate about. Yeah, thank Steve, you for let me get. That. Steve, I let me get it. the next couple of questions because I know you got a thousand questions. Let me hop in here, right, Steve. You're in. You're in. I'm gonna mute you, Steve. Just give me, <laughs> give me five minutes, Steve. So I have a set of questions that I, I love to ask leaders these questions. What was the moment? What was the exact moment you knew you were a leader? Mm. That's such a great question because I a year exactly a year before I took the principal job. I was asked by my current principal if I would think about leadership. And I adamantly said, never, no, I am a lifelong teacher. And a year later, I was sitting in the principal office. And I think that's what it was for me is it's like that tap on the shoulder that moments throughout your life, if you are able to rally a team and have a common vision and a common goal and a purpose behind everything that you do and bring that team along for that journey and and see some success and and also see some failure and pick yourself back up and figure it out as a team. I think any moments when you've been tapped to do that kind of work, that's when you become a leader. Um, And it's not necessarily the title. It's not the schedule that you have in Google Calendar. It's how you rally the team and continue to try to win on your goals. I, I love that. I love that. And <laughs> you're going to help me walk Steve right into a trap. Like eventually Uh-oh. throughout this show, we're going to walk Steve right into a trap, but not right now. <laughs> All right, I was um, say, this is a little early. Let me interject. Early, but hold on, Steve, 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 it's my turn. Let it's me interject turn. before the next question. I just want to emphasize the point because this is very important when when you talk to schools or you're looking and analyzing school leadership. 
the love that you that you reinforce twice with the love of teaching, I think that's key. That really is important mm -hmm. because what you're saying is it scares me when people go, I'm 21 and I want to be the, I want to be a school leader or yes. I want to be in charge of the school. I'm like, you never lose that. I know Eugene wants the same thing. You love teaching, you never get that out of out of your system. And I think that's what makes you a good leader and what makes people good leaders. Cause that's your first and foremost, I think yes. you do it because of the, you know, the calling, like you said, the mission, the, the need, but, um, it does bother me, maybe more worry me than when something yes. does. I'm in college. I want to take over a whole school network someday. Like, Oh boy. Yeah. Why can't you be great. eager? Like, like wh why can't you be eager? Like what if that is your lifelong goal? It, well, it, if that's your lifelong goal, why, why though? Right. So, uh, that could be, I want to be, I want to be president of the United States. I want to be president of this uh, learning organization, but in order to get there and be good, there has to be some steps, right? And teaching, I, you have to be, in order to be educational leader, I feel I respect the ones that are awesome teachers. I really do. doesn't mean <laughs> that's everybody, but when you're working with students, there's other educational roles. You don't need that. But when you're in the school, if you're a chief talent officer, I, I want you to be a rock star teacher. Yeah. I think for me too, it's that I want to know the ins and outs of the teacher's day and how, how it's going in our schools, how the climate of our classrooms are, how our students, what their needs are, um, what our parents' needs are. And if I'm not totally in tune to those things, I can't make the best decisions for my students and the teachers. Um, and so I want to always have that teacher mind and that teacher heart helping me make decisions as a leader. See, Steve was setting you up. I, I know exactly <laughs> what Steve was doing. He was setting you up, but that's okay. So I'm going to, I was just disagreeing with you. That's all I was doing. Disagreeing with Eugene. And so Julianne, I agree with you because you can say Eugene's wrong. That's not going to hurt his feelings. <laughs> I'm just listening for now. <laughs> it, it, it won't hurt my feelings. Like, yeah, it won't. Um, so let me ask you a couple couple more questions. Mm -hmm. Is it possible? No, I'm, I'm going to give you a statement and I want to hear how you respond to it. And then I have a question after that. Um, I, I'm a former, Steve's a former principal. I believe you're a former principal. Mm -hmm. I'm a former principal. So it's nice to have three principals in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I, at times I felt like people solely defaulted to the principal as the only leader. Now we may be the leader with the principal title, but like I've always, um, I've always had this framework, at least in my head and what I try to express to the people around me that we're, we are all leaders. Mm -hmm. And you said something that I have, a, I have a phrase that I use is leadership has no title. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's janitor, volunteer, right. food service, crossing guard, like, and I see a lot of principals not surround themselves with other leaders, mm -hmm. but I've also seen a lot of everyone besides the principal default straight to the principal. Mm -hmm. So is it like, is it, is it possible that, and I know the answer, but I want you to touch on it. Mm -hmm. What are some ways teachers can lead? Cause Steve and I know some teachers, they have no desire to be principal. They have sure. no desire to do your job, my job, Steve's job. Mm -hmm. They're great fifth grade teachers. Yep. 
and they say, I'm just a teacher. I'm not a leader. Like, so how would you respond to that? Yeah, I would have them take the word just out of that sentence first. And I do think we need more great teachers than we actually need principals. We need great principals, but we don't need as many of them. We really need great teachers. And I think it's partially, it's not the title. And you really need to build a team so strong that someone coming in doesn't know who the leader is because everyone is so in tune to what are our goals? What is our mission? What's our our North Star that we're aiming for? And how are we going to get there? And if there's leaders on the team within whatever role it is, um, each teaching role, uh, you mentioned the um, the custodian. I have a story about that. And I think if everyone knows what the goals are and they're contributing in a way that helps reach those goals, then it could be different leadership roles can pop up all the time, whether it's new ideas, new initiatives, um, whether it's leading the team in some PDs or helping mentor a younger teacher that's just coming in and starting. Um, there's just so many ways that a teacher can be a leader informally and in the classroom, outside the classroom with parents, with kids. Um, there's So the quote about the custodian is, and I've read this in a book um, by Lucy Calkins, and she quoted that John F. Kennedy, when he was touring NASA um, during the space race, and he was touring around and interviewing people, and he stopped and saw a custodian in the hallway mopping the floor. And he said, excuse me, sir, what do you do here? And I mean, it's obvious he was mopping the floor, but the custodian said, uh, Mr. President, I'm working to put a man on the moon. And it's like, how can we make sure that each person on our team knows this is the goal and it doesn't matter what role I have, I'm contributing so much to that goal in everything that I do. And it's not just mopping the floor. It's not just being the fifth grade teacher. It's I am the fifth grade teacher and I am making a difference towards that goal. Love it. Love it, Steve. Yeah, Stay, quiet. Stay quiet, Steve. It's my turn. Stay <laughs> my turn. Um. A lot of people feel, and this often leads to a public school, private school debate. It leads to a licensure mm -hmm. debate. It leads to a traditional debate or not. Um, and and so the beauty of our show is Steve and I will disagree with public, private, higher ed, um, sure. uh, virtual, homeschool, uh, you name it. We'll agree with it. We'll disagree with it. But like, that's the beauty of our show. We kind of pick the best parts of everything. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who feel like you can't be a leader in education if you weren't, if you didn't go through a pipeline of education. And so you have these brilliant minds outside of education that want to get into education. And a lot of times we look at them like, oh, you're, you haven't been through the ranks or you've mm -hmm. never been a teacher. You've never been a assistant principal. You've never been a principal. Like you've never taught this or that. Like, like, like the list just keeps growing to like, there's going to be no leaders anywhere if, if the list is really this big, mm -hmm. but can you just touch on, and it doesn't happen often, but someone out there, someone out there listening right now is like, yeah, I'm, I'm not traditional, but I have these great ideas. I think they can work in a school. Can you just talk about that for a minute? Mm -hmm. I think anyone that 
really has a curiosity and a passion to get into education in the current context that we're all living um, is both a little bit crazy and like really, really must be in it for the right reasons. And if you're curious, that's interesting. I've, I interviewed someone within the last couple of years for a leadership role that had a whole career in business, um, but had just started maybe two years of teaching, but ultimately wanted to be in a leadership role. And so while I think that I, I don't think that there necessarily needs to be a certain amount of years. Sometimes, you know, on job applications, it says at least this many years of experience, at least this many things. I don't think there's the right formula for that. I think you could have a school leader that has very little teaching experience um, and has some good ideas to get in um, and help us blow up what we see is the education atmosphere right now. We need some of that creativity and innovation. I do think that there has to be at least a tiny bit of classroom experience in at least the onboarding process or within your your first couple of years as a leader to really understand the ins and outs of the school day. Um, But I don't think it has to be traditional path. I don't think it has to be in a certain amount of years, a certain degree, a certain person that you've talked to or a book that you've read. I think it can be very non-traditional with that caveat of like, get into the classroom for a while to see it in some way. Your point of the onboarding is a great idea because that mm-hmm. would that would catch anybody then. You say this is this is what our educational process is about. And now you can use your gifts and your talents to innovate and redesign because you'll understand it. Mm-hmm. So that's a key point. We're here with Dr. Julianne Cook, and she just got finished with her dissertation with the topic of leadership feedback system. So tell us, you did, that obviously took up hours, right? Pain, sweat, tears, your life on hold for a while as you're researching. And now we get the opportunity not to do any of the research, any of that time, but we get get the prize, like what you learned from it. So what, give us, uh, just start talking about what you learned from it, um, what nuggets of information people should know. um, Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely lots of hours, but very fascinating. And really, um, it really stemmed from this curiosity around feedback. I read a book called Thanks for the Feedback um, by Doug Stone and Sheila Hine. Um, And it's just a fantastic book about how we, as most of us as humans, don't know how to receive feedback well. But we put so much emphasis in training, especially for managers, leaders, um, companies put a lot of training in giving feedback to their employees, but we have like no knowledge of how to receive feedback. And so that gap of using the feedback that you've received to then have some action steps to improve not only your performance as an employee, but improve your organization. Um, So it really stemmed from that. And then specifically with education, looking at John Hattie's work and how feedback is over and over at the top of that list as such a key indication of how you can um, increase student achievement. And so thinking about Feedback in schools, we have tons of feedback going to students through grades, rubrics, all the things. We have tons of feedback going to 
uh, teachers. I mean, the evaluation systems and across Wisconsin and all, you know, every state has different evaluation systems that we're using to really give feedback to teachers. And then I started looking at, okay, how is feedback coming to the leaders, the principals, the superintendents, um, even to the school board? And in today's context in Wisconsin, and I think other places, school boards are at this this place of getting constant feedback from um, the community. And so looking at feedback systems to leaders, I was really struggling to find great systems that was actually impacting student achievement. Um, So I looked at the Gallup Q12 survey, which are 12 statements that um, the Gallup organization has looked at across fields, across years, they've done this many years. Um, And these 12 statements They've um, researched the if they're rated higher, either uh, agree or strongly agree, um, and you've got a good amount of those um, as rated higher, then you'll see higher employee engagement, um, more out, you know, if you're a business, you'll have higher outcomes on your business. Um, And specifically for me, I was curious, like, if we use this Q12 survey in a school, would it improve teacher effectiveness? Would it improve teacher retention? Um, those are bigger questions that my research study didn't quite get to, but would be a future research um, piece. And so the way that I set up my study was I had the Q12 survey as a survey that's used within the schools that I work for already. It's historically something we've used for the last five or so years as a way to see what our employees are thinking. Um, And so I had that data. And what I did was developed a way to interview the school leaders, both principals, assistant principals, and network leaders. And using some self-reflection questions and asking them first, how do you think your team rated you on these 12 statements? And then showing them their actual results and then having some additional questions around reflecting on were you accurate? Did you guess your strengths? Did you guess your weaknesses? And so essentially what I found out with a lot of these statements is that the leaders, when they were really truly self-aware and able to identify both their strengths, their weaknesses, where they might be rated lower, if they were self-aware before looking at the actual results, they could take action. They could identify, yes, I know I need to get better at X. I'm going to do Y. If it was a leader or a statement that they actually were kind of blindsided by or it didn't match up, um, it ended up being one of those feedback triggers or feedback blocks that's mentioned in that book um, where they're like, you know, I think it might have been that person having a bad day or that's because that person's not returning next year or it's just the context or the situation. So those feedback blocks were more prevalent when the leader wasn't self-aware and wasn't truly in tune with their team. Um, so it was fascinating to see how much self-awareness and reflection was a crucial piece in a school leader's feedback system to then be able to take action. Because I think if our leaders aren't, number one, if they're not getting feedback, that's problem number one. And number two, if they're getting feedback but not doing anything with it, it's just as bad as not getting any feedback. Um, And so I think that's where I'm just really curious and how this could be developed into a, a feedback system for leaders to then truly impact change at their schools. 
How much of that have you been able now to put into your current situation as chief talent officer? Yes. So we just did a a new fresh round of the Q12 survey. It's currently open right now with our our employees. Um, So they're submitting their their answers. And then I'll be scheduling those same type of interview meetings with school leaders so that we can really reflect, really look at their strengths or weaknesses, and then their growth areas so they can take action. See, I have to ask a series of questions because Steve doesn't give me time to ask questions on this podcast. So <laughs> um, is this, this is the Steve Garter podcast. Yeah. Um, so like, I think your research is fascinating and I have like mm-hmm. thousands of thoughts and questions. In my mind, I'll give you a statement mm-hmm. first. In my mind, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking evaluation mm-hmm. of leaders. Sure. Uh, and, but you clearly stated this is on all levels. So I'm going to, I'm going to push that. I'm going to push that to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of this is also influenced by relationships, mm-hmm. trust, expertise? Sure. Um, because, I mean, I don't know if you and Steve have ever been in this position, but I've been a leader mm-hmm. and the person above me. Mm-hmm. wasn't a leader sure. and didn't know the stuff and they're giving me feedback and I'm like this doesn't make sense mm-hmm. like like so just talk about that because there that yes. component is out there it's probably not the the prevalent component but that's out there and so for me I'm like okay am I going to take this feedback verbatim mm-hmm. or am I going to put it in one ear out the other because because this is the process or or is there something I should be getting out of this but like trust, experience, like mm-hmm. you know, all those things, I'm sure it boosts what you're talking about. Yes, for sure. I think trust, um, experience, those are some of the feedback triggers that they list, um, that Stone and Hine list in their book as common for all of us, that if we don't trust the person giving the feedback, we're going to just negate it right away. If we don't have a relationship with that person, we're like, nope, don't need to listen to this one. Um, If they don't have the experience, we're already thinking like, you don't know what you're talking about. So those are definitely the feedback triggers. I think what was powerful about this way of approaching leadership feedback is that it really wasn't an evaluative tool. We didn't, we separated it from that process. So our leaders have a separate evaluation. We look at all kinds of different data points. This was really separate. It also helped that it was one-on-one with just me. And I think you're speaking to like the trust and experience and relationships. I have worked with these leaders for several years. I have worked within this organization and have been in their role before. So I sort of had that that experience on my side that gave me a little bit more credibility. Um, I also think that because I the questions and the way that I framed them, I tried to make it a really open-ended, self-reflective, vulnerable, and authentic experience so that they could truly be honest at looking at this feedback and and give their their gut reactions to it um, versus we have used this same survey 
in a group setting where we've done a PowerPoint presentation and put up, look at this school's scores and look at this school's survey scores and here's how we do. And it immediately makes people shut down because you're it's com- competition a little bit. You get defensive. Um, but the one-on-one really vulnerable, reflective conversation and questions was a key um, game changer. I'd also say that just on the idea of like a superintendent giving feedback to the principals and then the principals giving feedback to people below them. What's different about this survey as well is that, and it's not even, you know, I I did look at tons of 360 degree survey feedback that a lot of corporations and businesses that um, those careers really use. This really is feedback from the people that see you every day, the people that you are serving as the leader It's not someone above you that stops by once a week, you know, or somebody that only sends you emails every once in a while. It's truly a a group of people that you are working for and with. And so that gave the, the feedback a little bit more credibility and almost like a little bit more ownership of, I want my team to answer that they agree that I care about them and that they agree that I'm giving them updates on their progress and that they know what they're expected to do at work. I want my team. That's what I do every day to help make this a great school. I want my team to answer highly on those questions. So I think who took the survey was really important too. All right. I got, I got one more follow-up, Steve. Then, I, then I'll pass it to you, Steve. Um, so all of us on here, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. So I've seen evaluative and non-evaluative feedback from from a from a teacher's viewpoint. I've seen it from an assistant principal's viewpoint. I've seen it from a principal's viewpoint. I've seen it from a professor's viewpoint. In all of those places, it was distinctively different processes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there? I don't even know how to ask this. Is there a space to where you see it working the way the research and your findings say? Is there a spot that if you're going to see it, if you're going to see it here, like mm-hmm. whether it's the 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 board giving it to the superintendent or the superintendent giving it to the leadership specialist or the leadership specialist giving it to the principal principal giving it to the assistant principal or the principal mm-hmm. giving it to the teacher like is there is there a space that if it's going to work you're going to see it here first mm-hmm. i i do see it working mostly with the leaders that have the team daily. So I don't know about if if it were the superintendent going through this process, it would have to be people, enough people that work directly with that superintendent to be able to answer these questions honestly and anonymously. Um, If the superintendent only has truly a team of three or four people, I don't know if it will have as much of an impact because then it's going to get into weirdness around like, well, who said that? And you should have just told me and things like that. So I think it has to be a large enough team where it's still anonymous feedback and that it goes to a leader that can truly take action to affect the the organizational health and workplace environment for those people that took it. Um, 
So if the superintendent gets the survey data and then tries to make a change at one campus, I just, that's not going to work. I do think like even outside of schools, I think it could work at other nonprofits um, that are a similar size or even I, my husband's a fire chief. And so thinking about service professionals, police departments, um, you know, this kind of stuff is unheard of, of giving leadership feedback to the fire chief. Um, and so could this work in some other places like schools where we're working every day to serve other people? There's not necessarily a business dollar amount that we are working for. We're working for children. We're working for people. We're working to serve. And so we want our organization, we need our organization to be healthy to not only meet our academic outcomes, but to also keep really great people there for our kids um, and for our families. So I think it, it the principal spot, I think that line of leadership, principal, assistant principal, um, I think if you go too much higher than that, you'd have to have a big enough team to make sure that it's still anonymous and that that leader can impact change. You're, you're meeting one-on-one -on -one as you're going through this with, with the leaders. Who mm -hmm. else gets to see this? Great question. Um, so I will also then give some overview charts and, and data points for the whole network team. Um, and then there's our network team does take this survey as well. And there's enough of our network team. We have a larger network team just from the different roles. There's some part-time people and um, full-time people as well, but there's enough of a, a group that we could use do this process with our president. Um, I don't think it will make as much of an impact, like I said, because our even then our departments are still too siloed. Um, but the the general overviews of these the survey results will be summarized and given to everyone that wants to see sort of the overall um, data from that. I like that because that can help improve, right? So that's your goal mm -hmm. to always improve and continually improve. What did you see in your in your work and with your dissertation? On, is was there an ethical, moral leadership strand coming through any of this? Yes, there was a lot of so some of the questions um, I asked were around conforming and not conforming. Um, specifically, if you are trying to make a decision, would you be persuaded to go one way or another? And I, it, I would have to look it up exactly, but it was really, um, really significant how many of the leaders, I think it was close to 80% of the participants said that it really goes down to their core values, their core beliefs, and specifically how many of them mentioned spirituality. I think it was 70% of them mentioned their spiritual beliefs as where they get their core values from and um, just how they ethically interact with their teams. And um, I think that was really significant because if you, if you don't have strong core values and are really sure on who you are as a leader and what you expect from your team as far as mission alignment and core value alignment, then there could be a really big disconnect in how you're able to take action. Um, but that idea of conforming and not conforming was really interesting because it, there, you know, 
so many of them mentioned, like I, as a leader, I sometimes have to be a follower or I have to change my mind. I have to change my behavior. But when it comes to alignment with the mission and our goals and our core values, if it's not aligned, I'm not conforming. I'm not changing. We're not budging on that because we are clear on who we are as an organization or who we are as a school or what our goals are. And I thought that that was really powerful that even for a teacher or a leader or someone that's a parent, um, even a student, as they're learning um, our character traits through our character program, if you're not really clear on who you are and what you believe, it's harder to make the the good decisions that you might need to make. Um, and you might sort of be wishy-washy. But as soon as you're clear on that, you can conform when you need to. And it's a great idea and aligned and not conform um, when it's not aligned to your beliefs. I can see how this can be inspiring for you and re reinforce your ministry as you're hearing this from the leaders. That could be extremely inspiring to you as a leader and continue to keep, motivate you to keep going. For sure. <laughs> I have uh, a, a Steve, few questions. My turn. My turn let, me, let me do this and then you can wrap it up because I have what I call rapid fire. So I have eight questions. And you have three seconds. You just give what you're what you're thinking. Top oh boy! Of so, uh, and, and then Eugene, you can finish with the last few questions and to wrap up our podcast. But you did mention your husband was a fire chief. Yes. Tell tell him that Eugene thinks fire chiefs just make chili all day. I did not <laughs> say that. Opinion of the fire no, chief? No, <laughs> no, no. I did not very say offensive, that. Very but that's Eugene's opinion, not mine. It's pizza. Pizza they make <laughs> on Fridays. Friday is pizza day. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so rapid fire, just give us your thoughts. What you're thinking? So if you had ten million dollars to improve education, Julianne would. I would increase our teacher salaries. Who's your role model? Mm. Gosh, I have a lot. Three seconds. Oh, I don't know. Um, that is so hard. I feel like I'm quoting my Angelo the most. Favorite candy? Hmm, York peppermint patty. Biggest problem in education? Hmm, I think it's going to be the teacher shortage. Nickname for you? For myself? For yourself? Uh, JC, or sometimes when I'm leading an event, they call me MCJC. <laughs> what gives you the greatest hope in education? You know, I think it's our kids. Anytime that I feel like this is getting too hard or too tough, I come back to talking to our kids or I see a student I, or meet a student that has gone to one of our schools and I hear where they're at, hear their story. And that's what keeps me in it for sure. Your favorite child? My favorite child? Um, gosh. Don't answer that. All right. You don't have to answer that one. And the <laughs> yeah. last one, one thing you change about Eugene. What? <laughs> Wait, these two questions are trick questions. One thing you change about Eugene. I have no clue. Oh, we're with Dr. Julianne Cook. <laughs> She's telling us about her leadership feedback system. I like your answers to those, even though you could have answered the last one, but I, I do <laughs> the answers. Eugene, wrap it up for us. All right. So the, we have some still some more things still on the table. I We have to get to these, Steve, before we go. So did you see in your research, it's probably a weird question, but 
Steve and I have debated about this for a while. A difference between gender and leadership. Hmm. Uh, that's really fascinating. So all of my participants were female. It just happened to be that way in okay. my school system. Okay. Okay. Um, I do think that looking at gender in school leadership roles would be fascinating. I also think looking at age, um, because when I got to the questions around vulnerability, um, some of our younger leaders were like, no, not vulnerable yet. No, I'm not ready. Um, so I think age would be an interesting thing to look at. Um, so yeah, that would be something to research further. Okay. Um, that's another question I wanted to ask you. Okay. So there are a lot of people like, I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader. I'm not a leader yet. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you say to those people? Like, like, I want to lead. Just tell me what to do. I, I want to lead. I want to lead. I want to go up the ranks. I, I, I want to lead. Is is it is so we respond to that statement, but then just from you, not your research, but from you, mm -hmm. like are leaders born or can you pick it up later on in life? Hmm, that's a great question. I do think that I think if you're someone that is saying you want to be a leader, I don't think you're ready yet. Because I feel like most of our really, really strong leaders were had that tap on the shoulder that got gave them the idea. So it was something that someone saw in the, saw in them in their actions and how they show up, how they interact with other people. Um, I think that is what tells you you're ready to be a leader versus saying, you know what, I'm going to be a leader. Um, because then I just don't, I think you're missing something that you're not ready for yet. If you say it before you can see it. And I think as far as your second question was about, um, sorry, what are was, you born with it? Or yeah. Are you born with it? Or can, happens? Mm -hmm. I think there's parts that you, you are born with, that there are some gifts that are natural, um, talents that you, you have, but you can also develop and learn. And I think a true leader is constantly learning and constantly reading and, and getting better and going back and revisiting and changing things. If you're, if you need to change your mind because you've learned something better, now you will do better. Um, I think that that is some, so anyone could be a leader, but there are definitely some skills that you start out with to help you get to that point. Okay. Okay. I, I like it. I, I like it a lot. I think your work is, is truly fascinating. And, and I hope the listeners out there can follow you as well as, <clears throat> as well as examine their own leadership. Um, sure. What's the biggest leader mistake you've ever made? Hmm. There's a lot. There's definitely a lot. Um. I think some of the biggest moments that I've made a mistake is when I've moved too quickly and then didn't think through all of the um, possible outcomes. So, but I, I also think that if you're a leader, you, you can't sit on decisions either. So it's a balance of making sure you've really thought through what is best for kids, what, how, how, are, how is this gonna affect everyone? And at the end of the day, I've gotta make a decision and it's got to be what's best for kids. 
But if I sit on it too long, that becomes a mistake. Then, then it's the moment is passed and you've got a lot of backtracking or revisiting and things like that. Or if I've moved too fast in a leadership decision, then I got to do the same thing. I got to backtrack and redo it anyway, because I've forgotten five different steps. When you were saying that, I'm, I'm like, I'm literally thinking of individuals and I'm mm. also thinking of myself at times I move too fast or too slow. Like it's, sure. it's, it's for those of you that want to insight into leadership, it's like walking a tightrope. Mm-hmm. If you go too fast, you may fall off. If you go too slow, you may fall off. Yeah. So there, there is something to, 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 to pacing. And, and I guess my last question would be, can you give me two reasons um, why Steve is not a good leader? <laughs> These questions are trick questions. Okay, well, just give me them. one. Just one reason why he's not. <laughs> You've we'll stumped make- me again. You guys are funny. Not answering. <laughs> but but you know, it's it's like this is so like this this conversation is so important. Mm-hmm. Um because often you hear people, I want to be a leader, so they don't really know what it means. Yeah. Or you know, the one thing that bothers me about educators, and, and I'm saying this as an educator, is educated like I don't know how you could be a good educator and not be a leader. Like it may maybe sure. that contradicts some of your research. I don't know, but I don't know a good educator that's not a leader. Mm-hmm. Like it runs hand in hand to me. It runs hand in hand, and I, I can't prove leading. it through research the way you did. But mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't know a good educator that's not a leader. So you're saying they're so, leading the class. They're they're leading with parent relationships. They're leading with the community output. I, Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I think there's there's leadership traits that come come to that. It's probably a, a different roles, right? Different roles of leadership. Sure. I think and, in some ways, yeah, teachers are definitely leading in their classroom and sometimes outside the classroom. But um, a leader of a school, you have to be very good at leading adults. You can't just be good at leading kids. Yeah. And then in in the classroom, you have to be very good at leading kids. And if you're good at leading adults, that's a plus too for the team. That's okay, a great distinction there. That's that's a very good distinction because I, I don't think people make the distinction that way. Cause that's totally it, different if you're satisfied and you and you love going into work or you just go, I just want to keep driving around a school building and I don't want to go in today. That's yeah. a that's a great distinction. Can you can you add just one one more piece to that? Because this is something that Steve and I notice Mm -hmm. and it drives us crazy and we're just talking in the field of education so you could take it to business you could take it to the fire department you could take it to the police department you could take it to any sports team you could take it to the grocery store but there are so many people with title of Mm. being and they suck yeah like steve and i know a lot of people in education Mm-hmm. That have an educational title of some form of leadership or duties, and they suck. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying this in a in a bad way. Where well, said sucks. That, that is a bad way. It like, yeah, like, like there's some horror stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it seems to get worse the higher 
the stakes are like, no, not mm. higher stakes. I, this is me personally. So higher ed people don't kill me. I find K-12 leaders to be way better than higher ed leaders. That's just me. So if y'all out there and you disagree, don't kill me. That's my personal opinion. Um, How, how would you, like, how would you attempt to inspire a leader that really isn't, but they have the title? That's a great question. I do think that there's some leaders that are not cut out for leadership. And so I don't know if my answer is they just need a different seat on the bus and someone's got to have the honest conversation with them that this is not it. Um, I think there's some fatal flaws in leaders that you can identify, like you're not good at leading adults. You've got some really like um, some deep integrity or trust or honesty issues that can be a game changer and a deal breaker for leaders. I think if you're a leader that's really struggling and um, you need to kind of get back on track, you've got to get back to the basics. You know, I, th- I kind of use this analogy a lot with teachers, too, of professional basketball players. I know really nothing about basketball, but I do know that they got to practice the same skills like every time they go to practice and they're not just like, let's practice the skills that are for the big game. Let's practice the skills that are for the little game. No, it's you go to the basics of um, dribbling and layups and the things that you've been doing since you first learned the game. And so I think that's the thing for leaders, too, is to go back to the basics. What's your communication been like? Um, How are you checking in with people? What's your facial expression even? Are you smiling at your team? Are you asking questions? Are you listening? Um, So just some basic uh, relationship and interpersonal basics to go back to, to really understand what's happening, to then lead to what you need to do. I like you it. could have went with an analogy of dancing. I know you. I could have. I know. Eugene's a dancer too, so that would have been a great analogy for both of you to figure out. Julianne's a dancer. Eugene's a dancer. That could have worked, but you went to basketball, which is fine. I, I did to that. So makes there you sense. go. Well, awesome. Thanks so much. This has been so fun. Oh man, we could do this for hours. Like I really could. Definitely. We're learning a lot. You're you're adding a lot of value to. Uh, for our audience and for ourselves. Steve, I got a question for you. What's your biggest leadership mistake? When Julianne was talking about, Dr. Cook was talking about the urgency attached. I was, I'm a big urgency person. So I really, my natural personality, I want to go 90 miles an hour because I feel there's a, there's someone's child, right? Our children are there, souls, right? The hearts. I feel like we have to go, uh, quickly. And, and that I do feel there were times early on that, that I, I could rewind would have been helpful. What I really, what really helped me is, and it took, it, it took, I would call probably three of my high performing teachers came into my office and that really helped me is that my first year, I'm like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a book, a professional book talk once a month. I have all the books lined up. We're going to do this. And then we're going to do all these other things. And and I was just like, we got to do all these things for the sake of students. And they pulled me in and said, we love all this. We love what you're doing. How about we do one professional book talk? And how about we do, and they helped me uh, 
help me really gauge where, where we need to go. And from then on, I would pull them and, and others, wherever situation I was, I'd pull the, uh, the teachers that were the high performers, the ones that were just making a strong impact. And I would test out what I plan to do with some, with the timing of it. So I'd say, here's what I'm thinking. And they would help me go, that is great, but why don't you scale it back to this level? And then I could go present it with a unified approach. So probably for me to urgency was, was something that I need to always be mindful of. Nice. Nice. Great reflection. You normally don't reflect that well. So good job. <laughs> so that's another leadership thing. So you're saying two. Empathy three. Let's keep going. <laughs> reflection. Yep. That's good. But this is the part of the show where we give shout outs to or whatever you need to promote, whatever you got on the table, whatever it is. Um, and and hopefully the listeners out there can support it or send positive vibes and prayers. Um, Steve, you're up first. Sure. So I'd like to uh, talk about the Center for Urban Education Ministries. I want people to go to www.cuemnational.org. We are pushing out a $5,000 challenge that if we can raise $5,000 for the Litman Learner Award, that goes to students around the country that have an academic or behavioral success. Schools can nominate their students. They get $200 each. And we are, if we get $5,000, we got somebody else that will get 5,000. So I give us $10,000 to give back to city students on their performance. So very excited about that. So center for urban education ministries, we raised the 5,000, we get 5,000 more. That's awesome, Steve. It really is. And that makes a difference, a real life difference. Um, I have something that uh, I like to share. Haven't talked about it much, but tomorrow night, Tomorrow night um, is my first night teaching at MATC. Oh. Um, so explain what MATC is for the Milwaukee um, Area Technical College, um, awesome. working with uh, learners specifically in the area of writing, um, trying to increase their skills. So I'm pretty pumped and pretty excited uh, uh, to be partnering with MATC and uh delivering good content and making a difference so i'm pretty pumped and excited about that i don't think nobody knows so um they're about to know now that's very awesome exciting. congratulations very Thank cool you. awesome uh i'd like to give a shout out to two plate two organizations near and dear to my heart alverno college is where i did my program and i just loved it and they, my colleagues that were in my cohort, I learned so much from them. So I just really um, want to promote them a little bit and just all of the great things that are coming out of Alverno. Um, and then Lumen Schools, where I work, we, uh, lumenschools.org, um, we just have so many great things happening for students, for families. Um, we're in the middle of a service project competition between campuses. So our social media pages have tons of info on that. Um, and then we're also hiring great people, really looking for great people that uh, want to get involved in education and really serve kids. Um, and so we're always looking for more people. You can look me up on LinkedIn or look at our, our lumenschools.org website and find me there. And I'd be happy, like honored to talk to you about education and your career. So 
I have an Alverno question for you. Yes. Do you know who uh, Mary Dietz is? Yes. I, I do. Used to, I used to be scared of her. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen her uh, make people cry. And that's, uh, in a, good, that's in yes. a good way. She has a heart heart of a saint and, and a lion at the same time. Yep. Um, but uh, shout out to Mary Dietz. Uh, that's awesome. It's a star worth in education. Yes, definitely. That's awesome. All right, Steve. Wanna wanna thank, close it uh, yeah, I want to thank Dr. Julianne Cook. Proud of you. Proud of your research. Proud of the hard work. And you continue to be a leader in our area and really a national leader with the leadership feedback system that she researched, designed, and is working strong every day. So definitely connect with her. And always appreciate the the work of EP3 and congratulations on the new position. Very exciting. And that's our Superhero Education Podcast. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator. 